you're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. This episode is going to be the third part in our three-part series on how to mow like a professional with my current boss, Eric Beezer, owner of Acre Lawns in Northern Melbourne. So Eric, now that we've whipped and mown, how do we clean up the mess we've just made? We generally use uh, blowers. Yeah, handheld stills is what we buy at the moment. Um, just the, the quickest and uh, most efficient way to, to tidy up. Not in all situations, but in, most of the time it's, it's the best way to go. So where are some of the places the dust tends to hide when we're blowing? And how can we separate ourselves as an A grader versus a B grader commercial operation when it comes to cleaning up after we've mown? It's not all about cleaning up and blowing the work that you've done, but uh, you know, still going up to the front door, lifting up the doormat and a bit of a tidy up and uh, all the paths and the little areas that uh, look. And when blowing as well, I, I like to sometimes check the property before we even start because if there's a, a little bit of leaves floating around in the gutters or on the driveway, blow them onto the lawn so that they're chopped up and mulched and, and, and disappear rather than having them left to deal with at the end of the job. And then you're not sure what to do with them as well. So, yeah, that's usually the best way to go. Yeah, right. And how about pots? Should we check behind them? Yeah, yeah. And with the blower, it's quite easy sometimes to get behind there and make sure there's no debris building up so everything looks nice and tidy. And there are even some blowers out there that actually have a reverse cycle. So they're going to suck the debris up into the machine and collect it in a bag attachment. What are your thoughts on these sorts of reverse cycle blowers? We don't generally use them, but there could be some situations where they could come in handy. And there's larger versions as well if you, you know, happen to get a, a job where you might be cleaning up a car park and that type of thing as well. So there are things like that that are set up on wheels or even, you know, larger machines to, to suck things like that up. But I don't know, we generally would we'd probably find that we'd fill up the bag in one of those quite quickly and it might be quite a slow process. I mean, some jobs where if we've got quite a bit of leaves in, in the gutter, it's probably quicker just to quickly rake them up, blow the excess onto the lawn to be chopped up with a mower and then, uh, you know, you're on your way. Yeah, just one less machine to carry on board. I've never used them before, but I wonder if they would have the same amount of power as our stills, which are pretty cool. They have a lot of power to them. Yeah, we did use Echo for a while there, and uh, and when our shop changed their brands, we went onto the stills, and um, they've got a, a better force behind them, like a liter of liters of air per minute, and uh, they're very reasonably priced. Um, so we've we've just stuck with the, the handheld stills. You know, you, you might only get a, a year out of one of them you know, in the commercial environment but they're you know, they're only two or three hundred dollars while we're on the subject can you give a bit of a shout out to our local steel shop yeah jackson court in doncaster east is our shop they look after us when uh, whenever we've got any issues and quick to help out so um as much as i love and i go there quite often you've got to think about you know what happens if the machine breaks down and how quickly you're going to get some help there as well so it's that's very important it's not always about the price yeah, that's fine. Look, we've just um, bleeped out the brand name there, but I, I think people understand what you're trying to say. So we've got a couple of different types of blowers that we can use. Look, they come in all different power sizes and you can um, buy commercial machines or more domestic machines, which may not necessarily last as long if you're going to belt them through commercial uh, use. We can also choose a handheld blower or a backpack blower. Can you tell us a little bit about these different types? The handheld blower is a lot more compact, um, a lot cheaper. And the backpack is, like it describes, you know, sitting on your back with a harness and you've got a tube that comes around where you have a handle and your throttle and then the nozzle comes standing off that. Look, I'm sure they're good for different situations. We mainly use the handheld blowers. 
when I've looked into the backpacks, and this is only in the steel brand, the entry level backpack blower, for example, is say this is just off the top of my head, say eight hundred to a thousand dollars, and it didn't actually have much more volume of air compared to the small handheld, which is about say three hundred dollars. Then there's a lot more space needed for the backpack blower. I would consider getting one if we did have a couple of larger commercial properties that maybe needed car parks blown down and cleaned up. Then I could really see the advantage of that. Um, but, but the jobs that we do and the space in all the vehicles as well, we've just stuck with, with the handhelds at this point. Yeah, I personally prefer the handheld blowers. They're just a bit easier to use. I mean, we don't tend to do some of those larger car parks, so uh, I think that they're really good for what we tend to do. I mean, by the time you get the backpack blower started, I've probably already uh, walked halfway down towards the back of the property anyway, and I've probably gotten half the job done. The handhelds are just fine to be a a bit easier and a bit quicker to use. Mm. And they build up the muscles in the forearm nicely too. Yeah, and you can uh, dual with them, (laughs) get one in either hand. Yeah. (laughs) So look, we're blowing this debris. Where do we put it? You know, can we hide it anywhere? And at what point do we just have to pick it up and take it away? No, you definitely don't want to blow it anywhere. You want to try and keep your work contained to the property that you're working on. You don't want to be blowing it down to the neighbours. It's not a good look. You want to try and impress the neighbours and pick them up as a client. This is when sometimes a quick blow before you mow can save a bit of that, you know, uh, blow beforehand, edge the lawn, and then you might be chopping up some of those leaves afterwards. Uh, And then when you tidy up at the end, usually all the clippings and that are just very small parts, particles that, you know, you blow onto the lawn and they disappear. So um, it's all depending on the job, but, um, you know, if it's really obvious at the end, then sometimes, you know, you think, well, we need to do a quick break up and a little quick tidy up just to make it look good. Yeah, I mean, ideally, there's going to be a bush there somewhere you can hide it under. I mean, that debris is going to break down and sort of feed the plant, uh, unless you have too much. I mean, you don't want to be making a big mess underneath that bush or, you know, disrupting any of the airflow around that stem, which is really important for the health of the plant. And um, look, if you're making a big mess under the tree or the plant, it's just not going to look as nice either. So sometimes, yeah, you just got to pick it up. Yeah, that's just, you know, keeping an eye on things and uh, using your judgment. And yeah, like you said, sometimes a a quick tidy up around some of those shrubs. Um, But uh, look, a lot of the times, if it's very small bits and pieces, you know, often things get blown around in the wind anyway. But uh, it just depends if it's good for the garden bed or if it's um, really obvious and, and not looking good. Yeah, I mean, it's a different thing if you're just blowing a bit of dust or maybe just a couple of clippings onto the lawn as opposed to, you know, if you're blowing big dry leaves or, you know, um, plastic or anything like that. I mean, you know, you're going to turn around and you're going to look over the lawn and you're going to say it looks good if you've just blown a chip packet on there. Mm. And what makes it difficult is if some people have really white pebbles in their garden beds that you don't get away with that, it makes it really difficult. A nice mulched garden bed, you know, not necessarily always after the mowing or the gardening's been done, but you can have wind come through and then the... You know, white pebbles just look untidy really quickly. Same with black mulch. It's, uh, it doesn't disguise just leaves and flower petals falling down as much. It just looks untidy a lot quicker, uh, but just personal preference. Yeah, I mean, those pebbles, they're just uh, not good when that's like that, is it? I mean, it causes a huge hazard and it makes the lawn look ugly and it's just all bad all round. What are some of the other hazards when we're cleaning up? Probably most dust, especially when it starts getting a bit warmer weather and uh, you know, getting things in your eyes and breathing things in as well. Yeah, there's probably not too many other hazards I can think of. Yeah, I mean, pedestrians don't appreciate it if you're walking towards them and you're just blowing dust right in their face. I mean, a lot of the time they're going to walk over the other side of the road, but, I mean, if they're not going to go over the other side of the road and they're just going to stay on your side, I mean, just turn the machine off or at least just uh, take your finger off the trigger and just wait for them to pass. It's only going to take a couple of seconds. Oh, yeah, you've got always got to look out for pedestrians and often it's the easiest thing just to uh, just stop work for a second or just move to another section of the yard. Yeah, that's it. And what PPE do you recommend when you're blowing? 
I recommend just still always wearing your safety glasses. If you feel the need to have your gloves, then still cap boots as always, sunscreen and hat. And uh, it's always, uh, you know, you never, you never know when, when something happens. You, you could be just putting some rubbish in a garbage bin and you get poked in the eye. So, it's, you know, you could be, if you're on the property, you might be blowing, but the your other work partner might be brush cutting. They could still flick a stone from the other side of the garden. And, uh, you know, you, if you're not prepared, you can still get injured. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of that PPE is the same stuff as what you're wearing when you're mowing and whipping. I mean, just wear it while you're on site. Just um, keep your glasses on unless you're speaking to someone and you want to look them in the eye. But as long as those machines are on, yeah, just keep your boots on, you know, keep your glasses on. I mean, I like to wear a pair of gloves, uh, anti-vibration gloves, because my wrists aren't the best. Uh, Those vibrations sort of give me a bit of pain in the wrist. So that's just another one that I wear that a lot of people don't wear. But yeah, hat, safety glasses, ear protection, uh, sun protection, safety boots. They're the main ones, really. Pair of good work pants. All right, let's talk about fuel. What are the different fuel types? I mean, what's the difference between two-stroke fuel and four-stroke fuel? Yeah, um, two-strokes and four-stroke are two different engine systems. So, you know, one of them, like typically, there's not that many two-stroke lawnmowers around anymore, but most are four-stroke mowers. So if you have an oil dipstick on the mower, that has oil inside the engine. So that's what's lubricating the engine. Um, Whereas a brush cutter or a blower... um, a lot of them are two-stroke, and you need to mix oil into the fuel. So you've got a 25 to 1 ratio or a 50 to 1 ratio. If you don't have oil in the fuel, you will ruin the whole machine. That's the only lubrication that's going into the engine. If you use a bit too much oil, it's not a big deal. The engine could gum up and maybe need to service, but you're not going to ruin the machine. But it's important to have your oils and your fuel set up right and to have the cans visibly different so that you know which one's which. So that's just a label or painting the jerry cans differently. Yeah, yeah. You can buy little labels. Um, we paint the top of our jerry can a totally different colour, so it's really visible as well. And of course, you know, training the guys and girls so that they're confident in knowing which fuel goes into which machine. It's a bit confusing now too, because you can get four-stroke brush cutters. Like I said, there used to be more two-stroke mowers as well. So you definitely want to have the right fuel in the right machine. Is it going to be the same sort of thing if I put four-stroke fuel into a two-stroke machine and two-stroke fuel into a four-stroke machine? Or is there one that's sort of worse than the other? If you put two-stroke fuel into a four-stroke machine, there's a little bit of oil going through the system. Look, in a basic mower, the worst that could happen is you might gum up the spark plug a little bit. It might get a little bit oily and not run quite as well, but it's not going to ruin the machine. If you put four-stroke, so unmixed fuel into a two-stroke machine, it might run great for a minute or so. It might sound a bit funny, and then it'll, it'll seize up. And uh, if you're lucky... Your mechanic might be able to get it going, but most times it's uh, it, it'll ruin the machine. It's it's uh, it's spare parts. Yeah, unfortunately, I've done it before where you put the four-stroke fuel, the um, the unmixed fuel into a two-stroke machine. I did it with a hedger. It's the worst feeling. Sort of, I sort of started to notice it was getting a bit hot, and I didn't put two and two together. Then, sort of, grease is all coming out of little grommets there, and um, all of a sudden, it just goes bang, and it just stops. It just seizes. Never do start again. You can't pull the cord. Nothing's working. It's all just completely seized up. And um, unfortunately, that machine uh, gave up the ghost. We had to buy a new one, which is um, devastating. It's not a good feeling at all. Mm. And even if you manage to unbind it and it's rotating again, often you've lost all the compression and it, it doesn't have any strength in the, in the engine. It's just not worth fixing. Not a good feeling. <laughs> uh, we've, had, we've had a few funny things. We've had a, a, a blower get knocked into a swimming pool. <laughs> and we Luckily, we got that one running again. <laughs> That machine was actually on when it went in there too, so it was sucking water in. That was so lucky, yeah. So lucky, yeah. Plenty can go wrong. Look, petrol versus battery-powered, what are your thoughts? Um, haven't tried much 
that I've spoken to the steel shop regularly and they seem to have the idea that probably hasn't got the distance for commercial use. So you'd have to have a large amount of battery packs to get you through the day. So unless, you know, you want to set up a solar system on your vehicles or something and inverters and chargers, but, you know, maybe down the track, um, not far away, maybe they'll have enough stamina to only have a couple of batteries and it gets you through the day. That might work out okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't make the switch to uh, electric just yet. I mean, yeah, petrol machines, heavier, louder, but they just do a lot better job, uh, just a lot more grunt to them. Um, yeah, just get the job done a lot quicker. Mm. I mean, I, I can see the advantage, you know, if they've got the power and the stamina because you wouldn't have the spark plug, the carburetors, you know, as many little issues to maybe go wrong. So if, you, you, if you're using a chainsaw, for example, you've got to worry about the bar, the oil and the chain and the rest of it, you know, no air filters to clean. So be interesting, but uh, yeah, not there yet. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the chainsaws. I listened to a couple of um, Arboriculture podcasts, and they sort of talk about how they love the little, um, I'm not sure what brand it is, they love the little chainsaws that are just um, battery powered because they can lug them up a tree, no worries, when they're climbing, and uh, you know they can just operate it one-handed and um, just lop some of the smaller branches off. I mean, they still need the larger chainsaws, the, uh, the petrol-powered ones for the larger l- branches, but yeah, the, the little chainsaws seem to be doing a good job on the smaller ones, according to them. You wouldn't have to start it up in the tree as well. Exactly. You just click the trigger and you're away. Mm. Maybe in the future we can get some uh, viable electric options for commercial mowing. Make the switch. Mm. Mm. Yeah, never know in a couple of years. Right, so where do you recommend uh, commercial mowing outfits buy their gear? And is that the same place that domestic mowing people just doing their own yard should shop? Uh, Look, I've bought gear from, you know, a wide range of places and I've had the same mindset of, you know, where can I get the cheapest price? Um, but I think if you're doing it for work, I think you need to work out where you're going to get help from when you need help, spare parts. How quickly can you turn that machine around if you've got a problem? Um, so look, I would recommend your local shop and hopefully find one that looks after you when you need some help to get back working on someone's garden again. Yeah. I mean, you see still shops everywhere. I reckon still's the one. I love still. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Every brand, you know, you might have some issues here and there, but yeah, look, they've done us well. Yeah, and it's great when you sort of get to know the people working there and you can sort of build a bit of a relationship and they can look after you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, If you work by yourself, it's somewhere to go and have a chat as well. Yeah, and you're going to pick up some advice too. I mean, they're in the game. They know what they're talking about. Mm, mm, that's, yeah, always handy. So what are some of the other things that are just going to hold people up when they're cutting the lawn and especially cleaning up uh, that they just don't know and that we just haven't talked about yet? I think frequency is really important. Um, you know, not letting it get out of hand and out of control just makes it so much simpler and a much nicer quality looking lawn. You know, if you let something grow too long, it will take weeks to start looking good again. So regular maintenance, a bit of food and water when it needs it. Everything needs a bit of a bit of nutrients. You know, don't believe the, the sales guys all the time when they say, put this in, drought tolerant, everything needs water. You know, nothing will survive. You know, our tough summers when they come through, they all need a bit of care. Yeah, well, how about watering? When do you recommend uh, people water their lawn? Is any time fine or is there one time that's better than another? Or um, Look, I think they often recommend in the morning is a good time so that when the sun goes down, you don't necessarily want to have a damp lawn. I think you know more fungal and diseases can get into the lawn if it's damp more often. So probably early morning is best recommended. And often it's better to do a longer soak of the lawn less often than a little bit every day. Um, if you do that, you can actually teach the root system to stay quite shallow if it's expecting water every day. Even if you just gave it a really good soak once a week, I think you'd train it to then work for its root a bit more, get a better, healthier root system developing. Yeah, sort of reward the uh, roots for searching a little bit deeper for that water. 
How about uh, if you water just before your mowing contractors turn up? Do you reckon that's a good idea? No, that's that's not really healthy. It's uh, it's not ideal. If you do have a automated system, maybe uh, have a chat to your gardener and just you know that way you're on the same page and they can turn up when it's uh, not being watered, or even you know let them look after the scheduling of the sprinkler system if it's all automated and not just a sprinkler going on in the backyard. Look, we're coming up to the end of the series now, but uh, second last question I want to ask you is: What is one thing you've seen mowing contractors do, or just mowers in general doing, that just boggles your mind? Just can't figure out why the hell did they do it that way? I think usually it's safety things. When you just see a, a mower on the side of the road with the guard off and it's just shooting everything out onto the road with oncoming traffic um, or, you know, the protection guard's taken off, I just think it's just a, an accident waiting to happen. And then you, you probably haven't got a leg to stand on if, you know, if you do injure someone. It could be in, in, in a bit of strife. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, safety is so important. People just don't value it enough, uh, even though we get told every day. We all sign those safe work method statements. Um, the one I prepared was um, less safety. It was more just um, the way you do it. So I've actually seen a couple of times when um, mowing contractors just along the nature strip, you know, along the footpath there, they're mowing it widthways instead of lengthways and just just making it a lot harder on themselves. I mean, why would you do it that way? Just take a lot less steps to just walk up and down instead of across. That's it. It's, it's sometimes work smarter, not longer. There's a lot of little things that can just improve efficiency, isn't there? Yeah, you just got to use your noggin. Yep, yep. Just those, all those little habits, you know. If you're working in a team of two and you're, you, know, you might be doing 15 lawns in a day, imagine if you added five or ten minutes to every single job just because you weren't quite as efficient as you could be. It's, uh, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and your workmate's going to start to get pretty annoyed with you too because they want to get home. Righto, so tell us a little bit about Acre. I mean, it's a company I work for. It's a great company. You own the company. Tell us a little bit about what services we offer and where are we based. Um, look, we're based in the uh, northeastern suburbs, you know, around uh, Templestowe Park Orchards, Bulleen, uh, Lower Plenty, and down to kind of Blackburn area. And uh, we mainly focus on maintenance, so lawn mowing, maintenance, fertilising, um, garden maintenance, rubbish removal. Uh, we don't get much into the landscaping side of things. Uh, we prefer to, uh, you know, keep the garden looking good and without getting into the larger projects. So. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've got a few vehicles running around and uh, we've got a good good team of staff and um, hopefully we get back into it soon. Yep, hopefully we can get back into it soon, mate. Uh, thanks for coming on. I hope the listeners have learned a lot about mowing because uh, there's a little bit more to it than what you might think and a uh, few tips and tricks that'll just help you make your life a lot easier on yourself. So uh, yeah, work smarter, not harder. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. This series was recorded during lockdown and luckily we are actually up and working again now. Check the show notes for links to the Acre Lawns website and Facebook page, as well as a number of articles that I've written on mowing and starting a lawn mowing business.